Welcome to the Bibleogue podcast, the podcast where we have a dialogue about the Bible. My name is Colby Greenwall, and I'll be your host today. Um, and today, in our first episode, we're going to be going over Romans chapter 5. Before we start, I would like to introduce myself a little bit. I kind of grew up in the Christian faith. Um, I never really. I never really truly um, understood what my faith meant until um, until I really opened up the Bible for myself and and I found that it wasn't some complicated thing that I had to learn to understand. I could just read it and understand it. And that's part of the the vision for this podcast is for you to see like the Bible as rich and as beautiful and as stunning as it is to read it really is simple and you can just pick up your bible and read and understand and that's the point of this podcast is i want to encourage you and encourage um as many people as i can to just open up the bible maybe with a friend maybe alone just open it up read it and say what you think about it so with that being said um Let's go ahead and get into uh, Romans. Um, so we're going to start in Romans chapter 5. Uh, and the whole book of Romans is is really about the idea of salvation. And um, if you look overall, the, the salvation comes in, in a specific order. Um, the order of salvation goes like this, uh, according to the book of Romans. Justification through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then regeneration by the Holy Spirit, then sanctification by the same Spirit. So as we open up into Romans chapter 5, I'm just going to read through, um, and then we'll go from there. We'll start in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have been, oh, I'm sorry, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And there we see that justification through Jesus Christ, right? Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, but God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, um, I just want to point out, as I said before, we have justification um, through our Lord Jesus Christ, right? We've been justified by faith through our Lord Jesus Christ. And a little bit further down, it says... Um, that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And that is what I would say is the regeneration of the Spirit, right? So we're justified by Jesus' death and resurrection. And then we are, um, we are regenerated in the Holy Spirit through God's love, right? And the Holy Spirit is given to us. Um, as you read on in Romans, you see... Um, what it really means, um, the spirit allows us, uh, is the thing that allows us to live a life that is good and faithful to God. Um, but as we see, see here, 
um, through Jesus, we have also obtained access into the grace in which we stand. So the grace that God gave us through Jesus on the cross, um, we have gained access through Jesus and we access it by faith, right? And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we rejoice in the hope of glory of the glory of God. And we, we know that one day through the justification of Jesus, we're justified on the cross, right? All our sins are washed away. We are made clean. We are seen as righteous um, to God, right? As we see that, we can have hope that one day we will be in the Lord's presence. We will be in heaven. Now, I used to think a lot that um, heaven was going to be boring. I used to think that, uh, you know, like the Looney Tunes cartoons, you know, um, everyone's in white robes and there's a little naked baby playing a harp and the baby has wings, you know, like an angel. And all we're going to do all day long is just sing to God. Now, I don't think that heaven is actually going to be like that, but um, it's going to be so much more. Um, the A good way to think about heaven is this. Heaven is life without sin, without tears, without pain, without suffering. Anything that we enjoy in life that gives glory to God I believe will be there in heaven and I I have a very hard time believing that life in heaven is going to be um in any way worse than um our life here on earth in fact it it in every way it will be better so that's the hope that we have in the glory of God right we're justified um by Jesus and the hope that we gain is life in heaven with him for all eternity. And there's a there's a, an analogy that's used to describe eternity, right? Think think of a rope that goes on forever, right? Now this rope literally infinitely long, like it could wrap out uh, wrap around the universe infinite amount of times. And right on the end of this rope is it's dipped in wax. Just one end of the rope, just dipped in wax. And that little bit of the rope that's dipped in wax is your life here on earth, right? From your first breath to your final breath, you're just the little bit on the end of the rope dipped in wax. Eternity is forever. And now that's important because I, I for one, would much rather spend eternity with God in heaven living better than we ever have than spending eternity in what Jesus describes as gnashing of teeth and torment, not torture, but torment. And the difference between torture and torment, and this is a very important distinction. Torture is when, when someone is hurting you physically. Torment is when you are torturing yourself on the inside, forever regretting not giving your life to Jesus, simply having faith that he has cleansed your sins on the cross and being justified in him, right? <clears throat> so the hope in the glory of God 
And not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Now, in this life, we have suffering, right? Right now in the world, um, as I'm recording this in Turkey, um, there was there have been multiple earthquakes in um, 20,000 casualties have been counted, men, women, and children. And that's not to say that God isn't present there and God isn't in control. It's just to say that life has suffering. It's an unmistakable truth. People die. People get broken up with. People don't get into the college they want to get into. People don't get the job that they want to get. Suffering is a part of life, but even in our sufferings, we can rejoice knowing that our suffering is for a purpose. It produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, hope in the glory of God that one day we will be in heaven with him in our suffering we bow down and worship. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, scarcely would you die for someone that you deemed as righteous. You would not lay down your own life to save someone that you thought was a pretty good person. And even so, you would perhaps maybe dare to die for someone that you deemed as a good person, right? Now think of it like an average Joe, right? That's a righteous person. They didn't do anything terrible. They, you know, they're just an average Joe. And then say a good person. Think think um Billy Graham or think um think of the best person you know. You would maybe dare to die for them, right? But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, we're broken, we take what God had ordained for us to do and we twist it and we make a mess of everything. While we did that, Christ died for us. So Christ didn't dare to die for a good man. He dared to die for the worst of the worst. Now, Jesus did die for every person. John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world, the world, God so loved the world, every person to ever live, everyone and their mom, literally, actually. God showed his love for us. While we were still sinners, while we were gossipers, while we were lustful, while we were homosexual, while we were confused about our gender, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And since therefore, 
we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. We've been justified by the blood of Jesus, and we will be saved from the wrath of God that we deserve through Jesus. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through the, our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We received reconciliation. The bond between God and man was broken in the tabernacle. Think back to the Old Testament. In the tabernacle, there was a veil. And behind this veil was the Holy of Holies. And inside the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant, where the presence of God was. And no one was allowed to go in there but the high priest. There was a cutoff between God and man. We could not go to God before Jesus. And while Jesus was on the cross, the veil was torn from the top to its bottom. As Jesus, as Jesus gave his last breath here on this earth, the veil was ripped in two. And we are now able to have a relationship with the God of creation. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, right, through Adam, sin came into the world. Now, the story of Adam and Eve is interesting because Eve was deceived into taking the fruit, right? The serpent deceived the woman, and the woman listened to the serpent and ate the fruit. But then Eve gives the fruit to Adam, and Adam, knowing that he was sinning, took the fruit and he ate. So sin entered the world through Adam. And therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, because sin brought about death, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin was indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. The law was given to the Israelites so that they could judge what is good and what is evil. Isn't it interesting that in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve seemed to know the difference between right and wrong, good and evil, before they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And I think that we can learn a lesson from that because when we eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we take it upon ourselves to judge what is good and what is evil. And we are not good. Only God is good. So we take it upon ourselves to tell uh, ourselves what is good and what is evil. And of course, we're going to tell ourselves that we're good because we're the judge. So the law was given to the Israelites so that they could judge what is good and what is evil. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not, whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one's man, one man's trespass, 
Much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. So now we see Paul is talking about um, through Adam, we were all born into sin and we all die because of sin. Sin brought about death and death spread because all have sinned. But Jesus died. Jesus died. And through Jesus' death, sin is taken away, and we are justified to Christ, or to God, through Christ. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation of all man, men, so one act of righteousness, the death on the cross, leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we see this picture here of Adam representing sin, right? Through Adam, we became sinners. Through one man's sin, we all have sinned. But through one man's righteousness, we are all made righteous. We are all made righteous. And there's truly only one sin that can send you to hell. Now, one sin that can send you to hell is the rejection of Jesus. Because Jesus wiped away the sin of the world on the cross. Every sin, past, present, and future. And after Jesus' death, the only sin that can send you to hell is you not taking the free gift of God and accepting Jesus as your Savior. Now, I hope that you can see that really it is truly so easy to just open up the Bible and read it and understand and get so much out of it. The gospel is a very interesting subject. And the gospel is the good news that Jesus died and was resurrected for you and we have died and are resurrected in Christ. And if we just put our faith in Jesus and accept him as our savior, we are justified to God and we can have communion with him. That's the gospel. And that gospel, that good news is so simple that even a small child can understand. Yet it is so complex that scholars spend their entire life trying to understand it. You see, because God calls us to have faith like a child. And faith like a child doesn't mean that we're ignorant. Faith like a child means that we just accept. When a child is told something, it doesn't question if it's true. A child accepts that something is true. And then as it grows, it learns more about the truth. And really, that's the most important thing is truth. See, the meaning of life is to seek truth. Now, that is a little facetious to say because I believe that 
you know, the meaning of life is to seek Jesus and seek his face. And Jesus says that he is the truth. But regardless, the meaning of life is to seek the truth in everything in our lives, in our culture, in our um, schools, in our jobs. We should be seeking the truth. And that's the most important. We should be seeking knowledge. That's what life is about. Now, I want to encourage you, if you're listening to this and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, and maybe for the first time while you're listening to this, you've um, you've finally understood what it means to accept him, and that through Adam we all became sinners. And that's not to say that you aren't a sinner yourself, but all the more you are. Sin was brought into the world through Adam, but you are just as much as guilty of sin as Adam was, maybe even more. But through that one man's sin, death was brought into the world. And just the same, through one man's death, salvation is possible. All you have to do is accept Jesus. And I encourage you to do that today. Father God, I thank you that you sent your son to die so that we may be justified to you. God, we know that through this one man, Jesus, and his act of righteousness in death, sin is taken away. We are no longer held to the law, and we are free in you. And We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' mighty and holy name, amen.